Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I'm doing a really boring job singing this song, but it's the song that plays at the end of The Matrix. Oh, is it the one where they're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on! Yeah, it's Rage Against the Machine. Uh, That was the closest I could find to today's tangential link to the topping. Net decking. Matrix net, gotcha. Internet net. How's it going, everybody? You are listening and watching the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today... You Net- stumped, by the way, you stumped, oh. you stumped me oh, on yeah. the name of that tune. I got stumped. Yeah. I don't even know the name of the song. I just know it's by Rage. It's Rage, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great band. Great oh, band. One of the best bands of all time. So today we are talking about net decking, but not just net decking in general. We've addressed it before uh, when I think Stibbs was on the show. but this We're not is... going into the morality of net decking yeah, this yeah, time. Yeah. It's a reality... It's a reality, just like The Matrix was a reality, a fake reality. But we're actually talking about the right way to net deck uh, because recently we were tasked with building some new decks for game nights, and uh, we'll be revealing more information about that along the way. But as a lot of you have requested, actually, and I I guess many of you didn't realize that was exactly what we were doing, we built them around legendaries. The new new legends from Ixalan, the new uh, multicolored legendaries. We didn't do the monocolored ones. Those would not around. make for exciting decks, I don't think, comparatively at least. It's not as exciting probably because they're not as powerful either. Anyway, before we get to all of that, Jimmy, you have something exciting to talk about. Yes. Uh, so we're all about giving away free stuff on the show. I also have a lot of work I'm doing right now with Disney XP. I have a show I'm hosting there that's all gameplay related. And I'm here to announce that we are going to be giving away something huge, very hard to get, and very valuable from the Command Zone podcast as a gift to all of you, and here is how you can enter. In case you didn't know, I got to be the host of a new show on Disney XD called Polaris Primetime that's all about gaming, digital shorts, and awesome celebrity guests. And right now, we have no idea whether or not the show is going to get renewed, so I want to do everything I can to convince them that they should. So we are going to be giving away an unopened SNES Classic. Yes, this console is incredibly hard to get, and we're going to reward one lucky listener with it. Here's how you can enter. Go and follow DXP Official on any of their main social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. 
Their handle is the same across all three. DXP official, one word. And unlike our Game Nights giveaways, you will get additional entries if you follow more than one of their handles. We're going to be compiling the lists and randomly selecting one person. So if you're following on all three, you've got more chances to win. And that is it. The giveaway winners are going to be announced next Wednesday, October 11th. So stay tuned to our socials to find out who won. Man, we have leveled up our giveaways here. Yep. Jimmy, you just give away whatever you're doing. You're just giving stuff away. Yeah. I mean, I like the cross promotion, obviously. But the, the main thing is, is that I'm using these opportunities to give back to the fans that have been with us the entire time. Right? I could just be like, I'm only going to give it away on this page to new people. But, I mean, we all share the same interest. This is all gaming related. This is all within our wheelhouse. So what better to do than to award and reward the people that have been with us the longest? Pretty cool. Wish I could enter. I know that would be weird if I won, though. So I won't. <laughs> If I just randomly drew your name, I'd be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Come on, man. Josh Lee. Qu no, but it's like Lee Kwai Josh or something. Trying to trick me. <laughs> like badly yeah. obfuscated my name. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how I would do it. All right, other business to attend to before we get into the show today. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone is our sponsor for the show. Make sure you go to that affiliate link if you're going to buy any magic cards. You know you're going to already. Ixalan is here around the corner. Lots of cool cards, especially after today's episode. I think you're going to want to uh, make some purchases. That's what I did to build this deck. Yeah, for sure. You can also, while you're there, pick up our other sponsors' products, Ultra Pro. They have amazing stuff. We talk about the Eclipse Sleeves all the time. They also have all of the Ixalan-themed stuff, like the playmats mm -hmm. and the sleeves, other things like that. Yeah. And as far as like other awesome things, they got dice, metal dice, which I really love, the gravity dice and the heavy metal dice. So definitely support this show by purchasing your products at Card Kingdom and by purchasing Ultra Pro stuff. Yeah, hopefully the Eclipse sleeves are back in stock. We talked to Tara. They are. They, they come they, and go all the they time. They fly off the shelves because yeah. they're that good. So we're not messing around with that. And finally, the best and my favorite way to support the show is patreon.com slash command zone. It's directly coming straight to us. We have a great connection with our patrons and we shout one random patron out every single week. And this week, that person is <laughs> Alec Surrett. Alec has been a patron since December 1st, 2016. That's one week after we launched the Patreon. It's, it's been less than a year, which is kind of crazy. That's pretty crazy. We're coming up on a year here. Alec, you were one of our earliest supporters, so yeah. I just want to say, you rock. And also, yeah. yeah, so we got some stuff from Wizards we're going to talk about really quick before we jump into the main topic. They sent us some buy a box booster packs. So what happens is when you buy a box at your LGS, you're going to get one of these buy a box boosters which contain, uh, let me get the paper out here, they contain two premium foil lands illustrated by Rebecca Guay. Um, they're the same ones she illustrated for our recent commander sets. Cool. You also get four rares or mythic rares from standard legal sets mm -hmm. and two premium foil cards of any rarity from standard legal sets. Uh, in addition to the booster, fans will get the promo version of Burning Sun's Avatar when they purchase their booster box of Ixalan. Yeah, while supplies last at participating Wizards Play Network stores. So not every LGS is going to have them, but the ones that do, this is a really sweet incentive to buy a box. I remember when I got a foil Goblin Rebel Master when I bought a box once, and that was sweet. Yeah, this back is, when the Rebel Master was worth a ton. This is a boost, an extra booster pack. This thing is heavy, man. There's a lot of rares in here, more than a normal booster, too. Um, yeah. We got three. We're going to crack two now just to have a look what's in them, but one is going to go to you, Alec, and then the cards that remain we'll probably just what do you say we just pick some random like twitter followers or whatever oh, yeah. and send them out it is the giveaway episode all of you that are like <laughs> jump episodes. to here to listen to the rest of the episode well guess what you're not going to find out how to win some of this awesome buy a box booster packs and alec thank you so much for being a supporter i think we're going to reward supporters and patrons a lot more uh in the next few months and whoever knows how long so 
Thank you all for supporting. Hope we get to reward you along the way. All right, let's crack these things. Let's see what's in there. All right, I'm, you, I'm really excited. You're not going to crack one? I'm going to crack one after you. Oh, okay. To compare all right. which who got the better pack. Let's see what we got. Well, why'd you uh, just jump right to the back, man? Oh, I got the foil Burning Suns avatar. That's the promo. That's the promo that it comes in all of them? Yeah. Oh, man. The fact that you get two foil lands wow. is pretty sweet. So I got a foil swamp and a foil plains, and they have the little. Um, the little promo foil oh, the, yeah, the icon. Little, the yeah. dash thing. I wonder if those the are little, even like, available star or whatever. foil format, actually. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, okay, let's see. Here's what I got. I got a Ooh. Sanguine Sacrament. That's the life gain card. <laughs> it's not foil. That's one of the non-foils. Yeah. Cataclysmic Gear Hulk. That's nice. a mythic. That's nice. good. Ooh. Booming Marsh. So yeah, one land. of the... What are people calling these? The buddy fast lands? lands? Oh, uh, fast lands. Fast, fast lands. lands. One yeah. of the fast lands. The green black one. I got Pia's Revolution. That's a build around me for for uh, for commander, I think. Oh, and then I got a foil rare Sanctum Seeker. Oh, nice. That's nice. A new Ixalan one, and I got a foil uncommon Drover of the Mighty. That's the one that taps for mana and becomes a three three. It's a one one, but it becomes a three three if you have a dinosaur. Yeah, that card, by the way, is absurd. House limited. limited. Yeah, yeah. Okay. even just by itself, it's hey, just man, a two mana mana. This door. would be sweet to use these in like some sort of chaos draft. Yeah, you'd be screwing the person like six to the left. Oh, because you know? they, they don't a get card. a card. Let okay. me get foil lands. Okay. <gasps> What'd you get? I got rampaging Ferocidon. Oh, I know lot, about that card. Of, uh, yeah, a lot of fond memories of that card. You'll find out why soon enough. <laughs> uh, the rare is Scattered Groves. That's a green white cycle land. These lands are awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, the cycle lands I like much yeah. better than the fast lands actually. Uh, abandoned sarcophagus. This is you can cast non-land cards with cycling from your graveyard. So definitely build around me if you're building a cycling deck. Glyph Keeper. Mm-hmm. This guy's a house unlimited as well. Okay. With Embalm. Ooh, the rare foil is Old Growth Dryads. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent may search their library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tapped, and shuffle their library. This is definitely for a standard. It's one green for a 3-3. It ramps them by one mana, but that's pretty sweet. Uh, the other foil I got was Servo Exhibition. So it just makes two little colorful servos. Is it weird that I'm most excited about the foil, foil lands? Yeah, I definitely Out of the am. whole pack. I got the foil Burning Suns Avatar, of course, and my two Rebecca Guai. Foil lands are, wow, beautiful. The island and the swamp. Very Ooh, cool. Those are sweet. So some very lucky followers of us on Twitter, maybe a random YouTube commenter, who knows, are going to win these full packs and the cards inside them. So a lot of value in here, a lot of good stuff. And Alec, this one's got your name on it. All right. Now time for the main topic. Yeah. We're going to get yelled at. It's top. been a while. It's been a while. Mine's the part where we just gave everyone a bunch of free stuff. Stop yelling. <laughs> stop commenting. <laughs> You're the real hero, the people that won that stuff for nothing. All right. The main topic today is the right way to net deck, the correct way to net deck, how to net deck, just how to net deck. Is that the title we're, we're landing on? Kind of like the right way to net deck because it implies that there's a wrong way. And I think there is actually a wrong way to net deck if you're trying to get personal goals up in here. So first off, let's talk about what net decking is and, and why do people speak out against it. So Josh, what's net decking? Net decking is using the internet and all available information to build the most efficient you know, version of your deck possible. It's using all the tools at our disposal, like EDH Rec, mm-hmm. like um, you know, online forums tapped and out. tapped out and gatherer and you know, everything mm-hmm. to sort of find cards you maybe wouldn't otherwise find. Um, yeah, in constructed net decking refers to the action of getting the most powerful and solved deck of the format. Yeah, uh, I th- I think net decking really means like getting a complete deck. Yeah, right. So it's like you didn't brew any of it. You just kind of like and and in standard and things, this often happens where you just kind of take you know the the I don't know Mardu vehicles deck and mm-hmm. you just like what's that list? 
okay, I need all those cards, and you build that deck. But you didn't have anything to do yeah. with conceptualizing the deck. And for some reason, that gets some among some circles has sort of a negative negative connotation. Although I don't think either of us really understands why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing: if you were going to be a constructed player, that's great. For commander, I think it can get a little flack if it's like, oh, I just I'm going to take this hundred card list, put it into a cart, and just hit buy all, and right. just leave it up when it gets here. But I mean, we'll go right into it. is net decking bad? So I think it does get a bad reputation because the people that don't like it, they posit that it's like ruining the creativity and the imagination of deck building. And I, I've heard some people say that net decking is a cop out to to actually building a deck, and you're a slave to the meta, and you're taking fun out of an exciting part of what magic is which is deck building um but if you're in a constructed format and you're trying to be competitive you have to kind of do this otherwise you're not going to be able to necessarily compete at the same level unless you somehow have discovered the deck that no one else has by yourself that is going to destroy the meta but i, I think mean, that's what people are saying right they're sort of thinking in their mind like i'm creative and if it wasn't for everybody else like having the internet i would be way better because i mm-hmm. am a brewer and i build better decks but because everybody has this huge information source then i just can't overcome that right yeah um i don't know it's weird but it doesn't really matter because we live in a world with the internet so people yeah. are going to use that to their advantage there's not really any option that that's not going to happen at any time down the road so to me it's like cats out of the bag on that one People are using the internet and massive amounts of data to create the most efficient and best decks. Yeah. We're sharing information like never before. And even if you do do that at all thing to cart for commander, like deck building can be really daunting, really scary, putting together a hundred card deck. I mean, we already do a version where we say buy the pre-con and just change 10 cards out. That's all you need to do. And so that, I mean, buying a pre-con is in a way the same essence of what I think people don't like net decking for, which is you just get the thing, the pre-constructed experience without having to put the effort into it necessarily. But I'm fine with that as long as you're having fun. Well, also, and maybe more so in our format than others, don't discount the skill level required to play the deck. You can't just net deck like a Zer deck. And right. just play it like a tier one deck and always win against everybody. You gotta, you know, really play that deck and understand what you need to go get at different points. To, yeah. you know, maybe that's not a good example no, because Zer combos good. off and, and maybe you just go get your combo pieces. But even then, if you don't know how the combo pieces work, you know, like you, you gotta learn how to play the deck. So yeah. playing of the that's there's that what's who said that in sports? I forget who playing the quote's from, but deck? no, but it's like. Yeah, that's why we play the games. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 You don't totally. just like, you look at my list, I look at your list. Okay, you won. Yeah. <laughs> you play the games. I think a lot of people do actually get that feeling, the, the anti net deckers, which is like, oh, you just, that cool, look at your unoriginal list. It's going to beat mine because of X, Y, and Z, not because you're a better player, but because you have a better right. deck. And there's always the pay to win thing that people always say about Magic. Even though, even the top tier pros would be like, there's nothing you can do about variance and skill level 100% decides whether or not you're going to do well in the game. For instance, just to speak to that, if you look at sealed uh, Grand Prix and people yeah. that do sealed tournaments, sure, you have a lot of variance when it comes to getting a pile of cards, and maybe you have the perfect pile, maybe you don't, but then why do you see the same exact people making day two every time and the same people making top eight? It's because skill is a giant part of deciding how good you're going to be when you're opening a random pile of cards. So variance, net decking, all that sort of falls in the same category. Um, then we have to ask the question, is net decking a good thing? And my answer to this is that net decking is whatever you want to make out of it. So if you're going to use the internet, then you are just already going to. Like, in a way, you're kind of doing a net decking thing by listening to a podcast about Commander. That's a really good where point. we tell you really how point. to build a good deck and how to do X, Y, and Z and what cards you should put in your deck and what you should take out. So, I mean, use the internet however it fits your glove. And, like, if you want to be better at the game, then 
research and analysis is invaluable. Um, it's not a burden. It's not like you don't need to have the burden of proof to be like original. I feel like it's you, you can just do what you want. And if it makes you feel better and makes you feel like you're getting a better player as a result, that's fine. That's how I mean, it's like it's unfair to everyone else to be like, you can't use the Internet when it's this literally the World Wide Web and accessible to pretty much every human on the planet. I mean, one of the ways I look at it, too, is a lot of this stuff is just ways to speed up something that I could do in a slower way. Right. Right. Like EDH Rec helps me find cards. It's could I just go through a list of all the magic cards ever made and look at each one and say, oh, that would maybe be good and this wouldn't? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I could do that. It would just take way longer than using something that already aggregates the better cards for my deck, like EDH rec. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not, it's really just a time thing. Like, uh, I don't know, if somebody says to me, like, you, you're lame because you don't take more time to do something. That right. doesn't that doesn't compute to me. Yeah, and also like something like EDH Rec, those cards may be the quote unquote best for your deck, but we also know when we're brewing that those aren't the end all be all, and we don't treat them that way. Yeah, that's it's... one thing I would say specifically about EDH Rec. It's a great resource, but I don't buy the fact that it's like ruining the format because there's very very often times where there are cards that are high on the list that I don't actually think are good in that deck, and there are cards that I think have to be included that aren't on the list yeah so you know it misses things just by the nature of people worrying about things that you're not worried about maybe people are worried about budget and you're not mm -hmm. maybe people just don't know about an old card not enough people know about it so EDH Trek is really a popularity contest yeah more than it's, anything it's now calling that, from all of the existing tapped out lists and stuff and yeah it'll get sites. you maybe 80 85 percent there but there's going to be 15 percent of cards that don't fall into the popular range because they're unknown they're expensive mm -hmm. whatever reason and you can find those sort of hidden gems yourself still right allows you some like i'm clever and original brewing opportunities like how many tauron decks pre-iconic masters would have mana drain as a top hit on edh rec when that's it's a, a really good point plus card it's just not going to be there even though it's one of the best cards you could put in a deck like that in fact that was an interesting thing when i was talking to jason alt who does work for edh rec he does he's the editor for their articles he said one of the ways you can sort of tell if you're like building a deck with blue in it but you want a very competitive version of that deck, you can use the advanced filters to only include decks with that commander and mana drain. Right. And that will tell you like, oh, the decks that were built by people who put mana drain in the deck are more likely more competitive than the decks that don't have it, even right. though that wouldn't be a top hit, like you said, because it's just a very expensive card. So, mm -hmm. all right, yeah. enough about that. All right, well, moving on. Here are five important lessons when net decking and brewing slash building a new deck. And a lot of these came from me. Again, we've talked about deck building a lot, but it's kind it's of a the, process the that, thing we talk about the most. <laughs> yeah, but it's a process that I think needs to get refined. Like, because just the, the advice we gave about it maybe a year ago is not going to be as relevant today, especially now that EDH Rec has grown so much. Like Donald's done, like even that thing that you were just talking about, the being able to filter out cards like that, knowing your resources is very important. Anyway, uh, the first step is create a mission statement slash a goal for your deck. The log line. We've talked about log this a line, couple of yeah. times. Yeah. So. so it's a one sentence descriptor. Try not to make it longer than that, not to run on about what the deck is or what its primary goal is. Here are some examples. I have a Marchesa deck. The log line is steal, sacrifice, and recur your value-based Grixis creatures thanks to Marchesa and win the game through a war of attrition and manipulated life totals. I like it. Yeah. My five-color Nekusar deck is hide Nekusar and draw base damage dealing effects within a five-color shell. Get the table drawing cards and then zap people for their whole life total with some tricky combos. Yeah. It's interesting. That's how you see my deck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is, is kind pretty, of right. It's tricky. <laughs> well, it's like everyone's like, oh, I'm having such a good time drawing cards. And you're like, so am I. Yeah. So am I. I'm setting it up. Oh, do you like Teferi's puzzle box? We're like, I, I think that's okay. And it's like, no, yeah, everyone dies. <laughs> 
It's like if it gets to your upkeep and you can't deal with this, you're done for. Uh, my Ramos deck that we just talked about. Have fun with plus one plus one counters with a heavy reliance on legendary creatures that can abuse the one one counters and grind opponents down with constant high value creatures and explosive fast mana turns. So obviously that one is less competitive. It just says have fun in it as well. So I mean, once you're really able to condense the goal of your deck down to a nice single sentence, it's time to start researching and finding cards that you need for your deck to function. Uh, the important thing about the mission statement is if you want your deck to have fun, put it in there, right? If you want your deck to be competitive, then say a competitive blah, blah, blah that does X, Y, and Z. Yeah, it, I, you know, I hadn't put that to words before, but I think that's really important because it will inform a lot of decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, do you put Mana Drain in or not? You know, that kind right. of thing. Like, Or do you put like some of the cards from our last episode, you know, do I put... I don't know, Winter Orb in or not. Like, there's yeah. a lot of decks where Winter Orb is going to be good. Is have fun in your mission statement? Then maybe don't put it in there. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's your only win unless, condition. Or, or unless that's fun to you, which, you know, to people like me, it is fun, but I'm <laughs> just saying. Okay, the second important step to, net the, to building with the internet is actually spend time searching. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it seems really obvious. But it's really, really easy to get lazy because the task is so daunting. So I've so many times I've been doing something and went, nah, I think I've covered the bases. Like, I think I'm good enough. I think I have enough of this. Yeah, sure. The thing is, I may have only gone to like EDHREC to do that, or I may have only used Gatherer. But there are so many resources online, and you want to really maximize the amount of exposure you're going to be able to get to the cards that might go on your deck by opening the funnel up of search as much as possible so that after everything falls through and trickles to the bottom, you really get to choose the cards you want as opposed to being like surprised later on being like, oh crap, why didn't I put that in there? Yeah, I never you, thought of that card. Yeah, so doing a lot of early research helps out a lot. EDH Rec is a fantastic resource. It's easily the best resource for yeah. commander deck building, 100%. for sure. Not even close. Because you can click on a card and they'll just dive you down this this deep tunnel of like, oh, this card's also in these decks and this deck uses this. and. You can scroll down and see what kind of ramp each deck uses, what ramp other people are using. You can go and see the kinds of lands that work really well. It basically helps you add every single part of your deck that you want, and it doesn't force you into doing anything, which is nice. It just curates stuff statistically for you. Gatherer searches, be smart about them. You can, like, for instance, put in enters the battlefield and is blue as your two like key things, and then you're going to get a lot of cards that do that sort of stuff. Or you can put in stuff like when a creature dies, or each opponent, or each player. And the more you can be specific with these, the, the you'll get less results, but you'll also find exactly the cards that you want or those hidden gems that no one ever sees. Yeah, you can also search, since we're in sort of a tribal period of magic, for that just that, that creature type. Mm -hmm. Or you can be wondering things like, you know, there are certain like tribal sorceries. Well, that's right. really easy with Gatherer to sort of be like, oh, I only want instances of sorceries that have goblin. the word tribal or tribal, whatever, yeah. or the word goblin in it. And because maybe there's some spells I never would have thought of because I'm building a goblin deck and it doesn't pop in your mind. Hey, there are tribal spells. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so Gatherer is great for that. Yeah. Uh, Tapped Out is another really good research uh, tool. We have all of our decks were command cast on Tapped Out. So all the decks we've talked about or played on game nights have links there. But you can also find all kinds of other decks by other people. Mm -hmm. um, and they sort of do like a an up, thumbs up, thumbs down sort of thing where you can see decks that have more thumbs up and maybe those people have sort of liked those more. You can read comments on other people's decks. A lot of times you'll look up a deck on Tapped Out, you'll look at it, then you can scroll down to the comments and somebody will have suggested two or three oh, cards. Oh, they that, have a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, that aren't actually in the list, but they are cards that probably maybe should be in that. Mm -hmm. And so that's another place to look. Yeah, and then Reddit as well on Magic TCG and EDH. Uh, for instance, when I was building this deck for Game Nights, on the EDH subreddit, there was an entire like 
before the car was even officially previewed, people had figured it out, deciphered it, and be like, how do we build this? And yeah, these are some cards I would definitely put in. And Yeah, 40-plus comments of people talking about different cards to put in there. And that's an awesome resource because now you're getting player opinions and, like, full discussions as to why X is better than Y and stuff. And you, you get, like, a really good in-depth look. Do you want to spoil what the deck... I think it's okay. With, yeah. Because we've already told to. them what we're going to. So, yeah. Oh, you don't want... You, we're, we're, we're not bearing the lead. Yeah, number, number three is literally it. Oh, okay. Now, this is the exciting part of the episode. And this is something I came up with for specifically these decks I built. And I think I'm going to actually keep it that way for the remainder of time. This uh, is the most Jimmy thing ever. He made a spreadsheet spreadsheet to sort of more efficiently break down how he was deck building you know what's funny is i look at it and i do the same thing but i'm not quite as organized i sort of do it in a loose word document but i yeah. do sort of make I a heading card draw and a ramp and mm-hmm. i and i do all our little categories and i sort of count the number of cards in each one and that's kind of how i build yeah um so the reason i did this is because uh oftentimes when you're building a deck and tapped out you put all the cards in and then you just hit save or save and continue editing and then you just see a womp list of cards and you can't be like okay which ones were the card draw which ones are the ramp yep. and you're going through being like okay one two three and it's just really tedious so what i did is i made a sheet system in sheets.google.com it's a free source resource everyone can use it we'll have a template up so that you guys can also copy it and use it for your own uh, sheets in the future but essentially it's just a way to categorize what parts of your deck are doing what as you start to add the cards in so I built Gashath, Sun's Avatar, and this is a big dinosaur for game nights. That's eight mana, uh, Naya, and just wants to attack. And when it deals combat damage, you flip that many cards off the top of your library, and you can cast or put into the battlefield, I think, any of those dinosaurs uh, that you flip over. So pretty powerful. Um, And so there's a lot of things that are really important in this deck. Obviously, ramp is important, and also something like scroll rack card selection, and then also protection to save your dinosaurs. So if you look, Terry will cut to the sheet right now. What this sheet basically is, is on the far right, you'll see the template of what colors on the background certain things mean. So creature, instant, sorcery, enchantment, artifact, land, or planeswalker. And if you look at the rest of it, you'll see that each column is a category, like card draw or ramp, board wipes. And then you'll see the kinds of spells underneath it. Now, when this list was originally created, you'll I would have taken all of these and probably doubled them in length. I had 20 utility cards, yeah. 20 ramp cards, 20 card draw cards. And it's really overwhelming if you're just putting them all into a pile and looking at tapped out and not realizing, okay, what what do I need to cut here? And so the sheet system helps out because you're able to take a look at this and be like, okay, these are the creatures, these are this. Even under the, even under the dinosaurs matter category, I have cards that ramp me there and utility slash just powerful dinosaurs. Um, the reason that I'm doing this is that it just makes it a lot simpler to compare this to your mission statement constantly. Be like, okay, is this deck having fun or is this deck doing the thing that I want it to do? And then be able to really easily cut things that don't help you. So from there, I was able to look and be like, oh, I have a whole side category called no thank you dinos. Just yeah, dinosaurs. The lower right. Yeah, th- that I just ended up taking out of the list, but I might need later. But So I just put it over, over there being like, I'm probably not going to use these. And I'm able to look and be like, okay, cool. Now I have three board wipes and three single target removals. And that, but I need to do so so I can have more cards in ramp and make sure I have enough dinosaurs for Gashath. So you're able to really like see a visual representation of how many cards are in each category and sort them by both their types that they are and if there's special categories like Dinosaurs Matter or in your pinger deck, you would probably have a whole column just for people that ping mm-hmm. or cards that create pinging. Um, so this is, this is just Organization 101. And afterwards, you can take this list and copy and paste it bit by bit into Tapped Out and then see the mana curve and all that other stuff. So Yeah, that's what... 
tapped out's good for right it can tell you exactly how many creatures you have in the deck exactly what your color balance is what your curve looks like but yeah it can't tell you how many dinosaurs you have yeah exactly (laughs) and each and each time you make one of these sheets it's going to be different maybe you'll have multiple categories for dinosaurs matter plus one plus one matters this matters that matters and that might even show you like hey you're probably spreading your interests a little too thin if you're really trying to make any individual theme work out so it's a good way to really force yourself to I just build better in a lot of ways. But for me, it was just so easy to make cuts by looking at this, by being like, okay, I have too much ramp. Okay, I have too much protection. Like maybe I don't need five, eight protection spells from my dinosaurs because if I can't play them with a the ramp, then what's the point? You know, so you, you get to sort of do these little cross-references where you're looking at one part, pointing at the other, being like, is this work? Does this work? Is this good or bad? Right. I also did this for another deck that we built just to, because this is a really handy exercise. Let's say you have a deck, you don't know what's wrong with it. Take the deck out of tapped out, make it into a list, and see what you get when you start selecting it. You start splitting it up into card draw, ramp, board wipes, single target removal, pirates matter, attacks matter. This was for Admiral Beckett Brass. And here's just a look at the deck list. Um, and this is a bit of an easier deck list, I think, than the Gashoth one, just because it's it's not as like focused on ramp. It's just more about put a lot of pirates out and make them sort of hard to block. Well, you don't have an eight mana costed commander, first of all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's very true. But yeah, so again, like doing this to a deck that you're like, oh man, what's wrong with this deck is a really easy way to see where the issues are almost immediately. Yeah, it's it's awesome. That That's a great resource. And it's funny because every time I build a deck, I do a similar thing, but I sort of have to create it from scratch. It's mm-hmm. great to be able to have a jumping off point. Um, yeah. Also, uh, I use Google Sheets for everything, so I did another sheet when I was trying to build the decks and what cards I would need to proxy before they came in just so I could test it out. So you can say, like, all right, what's the status of this card? It's pulled. Did I take it from a deck? What deck is that at? So it's just an easier way to keep track of stuff. a big part of the process is actually getting, Getting like, what cards cards. do I own? Which ones do I need to order? Do I know for sure it's in there? Because I really want to... There's a lot of cards where you're like, I think this is good, but I don't want to order it yet until I know it's good. So I need to, like, you know have a stand-in, just Sharpie on a card for now, just to play it out, goldfish yeah. it at least, to figure out, like, yes, I do want that card. Yeah, I'm trying to stop doing the thing I used to do, which is order 300 cards for a deck that can only have 100 cards in it. <laughs> yeah, and this is the sort of thing that really helps you refine that before you make that mistake. If you guys remember, back in episode 151, the Commander deck building template, Josh actually created uh, three terms for cards, and he gave some arbitrary numbers for them in each deck. Standalone, enhancers, and enablers. Josh, you want to talk about what those are? Sure. So standalone cards are cards that work with no help from any other card in your deck, or maybe they require sort of your commander, which is a card you always have access to, Mm -hmm. to really shine. Uh, Enhancers are cards that either amplify or are amplified by the effects of your commander or the other standalone cards. So enhancers need another card to work Mm -hmm. that, you know, oftentimes besides your commander. And then... um, Enablers are cards that sort of cover a weakness in your deck or your strategy. So that's where, like, honestly, card draw and man ramp fit in that category. Single mm-hmm. target removal often uh, fits in that category. So, yeah, I like how you said arbitrary numbers because they are pretty arbitrary and people kind of, you know, were questioning, like, when you add them all up, they don't add up to a total deck. And it's like, well, it's not, it wasn't meant to, like, f- be filled out exactly like you need 25 standalones, 10 to 12 enhancers, 7 to 8 enablers. It yeah. was just sort of to give you a general, like, uh, gauge of like oh maybe i have too many in this category and not enough cards that sort of work on their own yeah yeah an example a standalone card might be gave a card that can make tokens and add counters and do right. it all and sacrifice creatures it's all on the card um an enhancer pan uh, harmonicon's a really good one yep you play playing harmonicon it doesn't do anything 
it requires other things to happen. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, another standalone would be like Thrag Tusk. Mm-hmm. If Panharmonicon's out in Thrag and you cast Thrag Tusk, it's way better. But if you just cast Thrag Tusk without Panharmonicon, it's still great. So it gave me some life. Yeah. Probably eventually make a token. Um, yeah. And so. then enablers, just like card draw. Yeah, or even like Vidalcan Ori is an enabler, right? Right. Like that doesn't, like no deck is like built to cast things at flash speed, but casting things at flash speed is good and can cover weaknesses in your deck. Like it allows me to cast my creatures at the end of your turn so they kind of have haste. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah. Whereas a weakness. Sorcery's instant speed. Yeah. So there's, there's things like that, or like Faith's Reward or Teferi's Protection. Those mm-hmm. cover, like, a weakness in my strategy might be that I'm really weak to board wipes. Now, the whole strategy of my deck is not live through board wipes, but I still need to be able to do it. So to enable that, you know, me to cover that weakness, I need Teferi's protection or something like that. Yeah. Cards are awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so good. So make sure if you are going to use these Google Sheets that we provided, customize them. Really make it fit your deck. And in the process, maybe you found a better way to organize it that makes your brain understand a little better. You know, 100%. This is your template you can do whatever you want with it it's a lot more flexible than sort of the templates that we've made on tapped out and stuff because this is really modular you can do whatever you want yeah Uh, i think it's really a good idea to examine your deck brewing process every time you're doing it just to see where you can sort of make things more efficient or or just make them better mm -hmm. i think both of us and probably a lot's because of game nights like for game nights we're very often required to make new decks and we're going to play them for maybe the first time on camera. So we need them to be good right out the gate. Yeah. And I think we've both gotten pretty good at making decks that are good at version one. And part of it is is sort of sticking to, uh, you know, our tried and true categories and, and determining what other categories we need and sort of looking at the ratios correctly. Yeah. All right. The fourth step out of five is to make cuts. Oh, yeah. Ugh. So if you're using the Google Sheet template that we've given you, this actually becomes really easy. It's just a fast process to spot out what has too many, some basic facts like I have 15 ramp cards, I should take it down to six or seven. And as you're going through each of the categories too, it's easy to see like, okay, comparatively, this is actually the weakest card, but I really want to play it. So do I cut a stronger card or do I go with the spikier instinct and kick out the weaker card just because it was my pet card that I love, you know? So there's different reasonings that you can actually see comparatively so like these are the specifically the seven drop creatures that are you know awesome like okay i have eight maybe i should cut that down to six or to five or whatever so you can actually really compare them in that way um and cutting is something people have tons of problem with it's hard and i think this is such a good way to do it right because it's really hard to look at all your cards and decide which one to cut what you can do is sort of pare that down to like okay Let's, I think I have too many, you know, let's say it's a dinosaur deck that you're building. And, you know, one of the things is you want a lot of dinosaurs. You can kind of come up with a number that you want to hit. Mm -hmm. Is it 20 dinosaurs? Is it 30? It's probably not 40. So let's say in my initial poll, I pulled 40 dinosaur cards. Well, that tells me right there, I probably want to cut somewhere around 10 dinosaur cards. Yeah. And that makes it really easy because I'm not cutting down from all my 200 cards. I'm cutting down 10 out of the 40 dinosaurs that I pulled. There. Now we got rid of 10. Now we do that with another category and another category. Yeah, I really like that line of thinking. It's a lot easier. Um, And the final step is to reflect on your mission statement and your goal. Don't get too sidetracked. Yeah, this happens to me all the time, actually. Where you're like, oh, man, halfway through building this deck, I decided to do this theme. And then you just get like a, a Frankenstein zombie monster out of the end of it. And it just doesn't work. Yeah, you, you really need to go hard into a direction. That doesn't mean you can't change your mind while you're brewing and switch what you want your deck to be about. Yeah. But don't have one foot in each place. Yeah. 
that means you got to jettison the old idea and commit to the new one if you're going to do that. Or, or you have to say, okay, the new idea, I got to save it for later because it's just not here right now or whatever, and stick with the original. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's the other thing is don't stop once you have the V1. You know, if you have time and liberty and the, the, the amount of bandwidth to do it, make it a V2, make it a V3. Keep playing it, going back to it, seeing what worked, what didn't work. Maybe the ratios are off. But just keep, you know, updating that document. See what comes up. See what makes sense to cut and all that stuff. And you're going to find yourself in a much better position. Like, don't stop, you know? Don't stop, won't stop, can't stop. Uh, I haven't updated old decks in a long time. And I think putting it into this system is going to really help me realize. Because a lot of the decks I've made, especially my mono red deck that's changed every single time a set comes out, it just turns into this weird, like, monster with, like, eight arms reaching in eight different places trying to do eight different things. And I know that once I put it into a document like this, I can stop and be like, okay, this is, like, V10. That's the monster version of it. I need to take it back to a V1, and here's how I'm going to do it. So there's a lot of really good stuff there. And especially if you haven't built the deck yet, if the deck is still just imaginary, then it's really easy to make these kinds of cuts and changes. And there's a lot of websites that help you goldfish hands and see what kind of cards you're going to draw once you put it in. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, are worried about budget, and they talk to us about, you know, wanting us to discuss budget and things like that. And Jimmy and I obviously have a lot of cards, and sometimes people are like, yeah, I would put Gaius Cradle in my deck, but I don't have one. You know, one of the ways you can save money is to really stay in that part of the process where you're sort of digitally building it. Mm. Because a lot of ways you can lose money is by buying or purchasing cards that don't actually eventually end up in the deck. Because, you know, and I do this all the time. Yeah. I'm totally guilty of it, but... If you're worried about budget, one of the best things you can do is be really sure about each and every card that you want and that you do want it in there. Because for every card that you purchase and then, you know, down the road, you decide to take out, that's just money lost, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you can maybe use those in the future. But in general, I mean, I don't know about you. I have a whole big box of cards that were, I thought were going to go into decks and got cut. Yeah. The worst thing I can do is start taking cards out every single time I want to build a deck because then I just take way too many out. I don't have any way of organizing it. Then I've got to put Then you just in. dump them all in one place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, I'll sort this later. Um, you never sort it later. Just FYI, you never sort yeah, it later. Or I never do. I'm still waiting on it, man. Also, uh, when you do, let's say, have too many cards, this is a good time to be like, hey, how is this going to do in my local meta? How is this going to do if I take this to a random GP? Are there changes I need to make? Like, where am I going to be playing this deck? Do I need to make any changes to the deck list based on that? All that stuff, too. So having an imaginary deck list online is very important for building a deck and keeping your sandy and wallet intact. I like it. And voila, you've created the perfect deck. Voila, just like that. Just like that. Boom. Boom. Only one may stand. <laughs> okay. Game night. All right. Wrong let's show. Move. Yeah, wrong show. Let's move on to the listeners. <laughs> I've dumped a bunch of my pro tips. Are there any pro building tips that we've missed? Is there a system that you use? Are you maybe not the, a biggest tapped out fan? Maybe you use another, another deck building website. Do you have any secrets about EDH rec that even Donald Miner doesn't know about? Ooh, I want to hear some EDH rec secrets. I was blown away when Jason told Jason Alt told me that one little trick and I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and subsequently I've been going on EDH rec and I've, I've found there's, there's tools and things on there like advanced filters that I really mm. didn't know about and I hadn't used much. And, uh, yeah, so I want to hear all your secrets. Very cool. Um, um, all right. And after that, you find all those perfect cards for oh your yes. deck. Oh yeah. What you want to do is you want to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and use that link to order 
these new cards for your deck because you, if you use that affiliate link, you'll be supporting the Command Zone podcast. You'll be supporting Game Nights. You'll be making sure that our lights stay on and that the content continues to flow. We always say you're going to buy Magic cards anyway if you use the affiliate link. When you do it, you are really helping us out. Yeah, so please help us out. We much appreciate it. We definitely do appreciate it, by the way. It's not like us just saying this every time. No, it's a huge factor to the <laughs> to us being able to even build this place and even have game nights continue to happen. Yeah. Uh, and another huge factor is Ultra Pro, which is our other awesome sponsor. And they've just been killing it lately. So it's, it's really a peace of mind for us to be able to be sponsored by a company that's making really great products. Yes, so, 100%. I mean... All my decks are in Eclipse sleeves now. It's We're not pulling your leg. That yeah. stuff is really good. I'm still using those sleeves I used for six pre-releases in a row to draft right now, and they're still working. Oh, yeah, my Sriracha sleeves, I've said this before, but I just used them for the Exelon pre-release, yeah. and they're totally fine. I haven't even had to switch them out one time. They haven't split yet, so I'm very impressed with Ultra Pro and their continued very nice. yeah, commitment to quality. So. Super spicy Sriracha sleeves. All right. We just did the shatter pause because we both looked out and it's like, end step is next. Uh-oh, you got something? Yeah, I'm just going to repeat what I started at the beginning of the show. Oh, this is a good one because yeah. you can win something There's a sweet. giant giveaway happening, and we're doing actually a few giveaways on the show, but one of them is going to be from the Command Zone specifically because we wanted to reward our loyal viewers for being with us for this past three years. It's a long time. That's awesome, guys. So if you want to get involved with this giveaway, it's going to be a Nintendo-themed product, and you can find out all about it. Here's how you can enter once again. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to be giving away an SNES Classic to one lucky winner, and entering is very simple. So help support the show that I hosted on Disney, and hopefully help convince the powers that be to renew the series next year. So get online and follow DXP Official on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook. The more accounts you follow, the more chances you'll have to win. The winners are going to be announced next Wednesday, October 11th. So good luck, everybody. If someone named Kwai Lee wins, it's not me. Kwai Lee? Yeah, that's a totally different person that's not. Quietly. I don't, I don't know them. Quietly snuck onto the scene. Quietly. If Kwai Lee quietly wins, it's not me. A mystery ballot from one Kwai Lee. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Ballot. Are we voting on the winner? Because I vote for me. Yeah. I do want that stuff, but... I can't win it. I know. It's fine. It's, it's cool. okay. I, good luck to everybody out there. Christmas is around the corner, Josh. That's right. See, I'm always listening. You know what else is around the corner? Does that make sense? Yeah. The Masters of Modern <laughs> podcast. I think they come out after us, right? They come uh, out the, like the day after us or two you days. You know, I don't know what the release schedule Actually, is. Actually, I think it's just whenever they feel like it's it. It's whenever they finish an episode. Because yeah. I'll get emails at like 2 a.m. on a Friday being like, here's a new episode. I'm like... Okay. I guess it's going up I right now. I guess it's going up whenever I can t put it up. Yeah. Alex and Ben, they do a ton of magic content. They've been doing this 10 minutes of magic thing oh, yeah. on the Anchor podcast, which is like a, a sort of the Twitter of audio. Yeah, it's interesting. You can like formats. listen to little chunks of audio. It's really, I, I like it a lot. I, I guessed it on Ben's little thing a couple of times. Yeah. So you can definitely check them out. The Master of Modern podcast again. They talk about the modern format, but also all things competitive magic. And you can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us at Collected.Company. And our editor for the show, Terry Robertson. This Holy is cow. his 100th episode that he's edited for the show. So a big round of applause for Terry. Terry, 100 episodes. That is awesome, Congratulations. Man. Also, Terry just moved to L.A. He's 
He's out there in Ixalan somewhere. Actually, <laughs> he's behind that wall, like a couple offices. Yeah, down that way, working on the next game nights. Yeah, so we have brought in Terry. Again, thank you to all our patrons, everybody who supports our sponsorships because we're able to sort of bring in some extra help. And Terry's not just going to yeah. be working on the podcast now. He's going to be helping out with game nights. So very exciting. 100 episodes is a long time. That is a long time. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do after 100 episodes. Uh, Probably fall asleep. Do a live stream and build a deck that's just okay. <laughs> that's that deck was not good. That's what happens when you take too many suggestions. That we, you know, if we had a Google Sheet, that deck would have been way better because we were just like dunking cards in there and into this thing. Like, oh, that'd be good. If oh, that'd we used EDH track, yeah, that's true. But yeah. it would have been less exciting. We were taking like audience. That deck was bad. Yeah, that deck was bad. Yeah. yeah well, we fixed it later on. Okay. Anyway, and big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer who provides the living card animations. You can find them on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. That's Jeffrey right here. did this. Jeffrey did this. The work of Jeffrey. Jeffrey did this. He didn't sign it though. But. Maybe well, it'll be time. weird because somebody else, I don't know who the artist is. That's but, true, that's yeah. true, that's true. But yeah, thank you. Make sure you guys watch the videos on youtube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. Great way to check out all of our content with card images and all that good stuff. All right, everybody. All right. Get net decking. Yeah, and we will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.